0: This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, everyone, time for a little special 2020 recap of uh, my podcast and how it got started. I'm going to go through each podcast I did this year, give him sort of a great memory from each of them, because uh, I think they all have been unique in their own way. I want to obviously thank you, the listener, for picking up my podcast at some point this year. I've got a lot of people who pick, picked it up towards the end of the year, go back and listen to some of the early ones I did when I was just getting my feet wet hosting this podcast and putting it out there. So many of you may know who've listened to these shows before and you know a bit about me that I did come down with COVID early on in the pandemic in sort of mid-March, just right when things were shutting down here in the New York City area I live just outside the city in Westchester, work at our tennis academy at Randall's Island. Of course, I had come back from the Australian Open working for ESPN down there, covering the first major of the year. Um, So I had this podcast machine that I had in my basement, uh, and I had been planning on starting my podcast sort of around the Australian Open time. I was actually going to take it with me It's a portable podcast machine. Uh, and start to do some interviews. But I didn't get a, around to it during the Australian Open. I thought it was just maybe too much. I hadn't figured out how to how to operate it and so on. So long story short, when I came down with the virus in mid-March, I was quarantined uh, in my basement, which is where I am now. Uh, I have a nice little setup down here with a pullout so, uh, bed and uh, some equipment. A treadmill, a bike in the basement, things like that. Obviously, I wasn't doing that during when I had COVID. Uh, television and so on. And I had this machine that was sitting uh, in its box. I hadn't opened it yet. Uh, the podcast company that has partnered with me, Mudhouse Media, had sent it to me around December time. So I finally looked at it. I said to myself, "I got, <laughs> I got to figure this thing out. I've got some time in my hands. So it's only so many TV shows I could watch." Uh, so anyway, I figured out how to use this great system. And then obviously with COVID all the interviews have been done over the phone. Now it does come with four mics. So the idea down the road will be to, you know, take in, I could just interview people wherever in their house uh, you know, in an office, something like that and be face to face. But obviously because of COVID and what we've dealt with in the last 8-9 months that wasn't going to happen. So I started off my first podcast came out in early April. I was with an old friend of mine named Brian Koppelman who Those of you in the TV and film world know him well. He's a co-creator, the co-writer of Billions, the hit show on Showtime. He's uh, written some great movies, Rounders being one of them, uh, numerous others. And I actually met him because he did the 30 for 30 documentary on Jimmy Connors and his great run at the U.S. Open. You remember when Connors was 39, he beat me in the opening round. So he came and interviewed me years ago when he did – this particular documentary for ESPN. And uh, I had known him a little bit because my wife uh, grew up uh, in the same area as his family in Long Island. So I knew him a bit. Anyway, we sort of kept in touch over the years, but I started to pay attention to his work. And particularly, he used to do these seven-second videos uh, when social media first started uh, getting going. And then he started his own podcast, which was very, very good, really successful, and I and I remember I, I met with him maybe five, six years ago just to kind of pick his brain and ask his advice, uh, which he was very nice to do. And we had lunch together. And uh, and anyway, I told him at that time when he was so kind to give me some of his thoughts and some ideas on what was important about putting a podcast together, good podcast together, um, that he would be my first guest. So he agreed to do it. He was my first guest. And I knew also that he obviously loves tennis. And that was sort of how this thing started, interview people that, that love tennis, maybe inside the game, outside the game. Um, so he talked about his interest in tennis and, and, and why he likes it, his creative process, which I found very interesting, and how he's gotten into meditation uh, over the years to help him and also the struggles he had because, you know, you look at him now, he's incredibly successful with his show, but there were times throughout his career that uh, he wasn't that successful. So his, his wife, Amy, stuck by his side. He gives her a lot of credit. He's got two grown kids now as well that are both very successful. So it was great to have him on as my first uh, guest. And just to follow up on uh, my relationship with him, we actually did play tennis together uh, once this summer out uh, in Long Island, he was out there. I was teaching lessons a lot during the summer, so he came and played I did not charge him for the lesson okay and was on the house, but he did make a nice donation to our charity, uh, which uh helps kids I can't normally wouldn't be able to afford tennis to Johnny Mac tennis project so that was episode number one. episode number two uh, was a gentleman by the name of Alan Bergman who's now ninety four years old. He and his wife, Marilyn, uh, great lyricists and songwriters. And they've actually won a couple of Academy Awards, uh, written great songs for Barbara Streisand, uh, many others, Johnny Mathis over the years. And his story that he tells, uh, about how he got into tennis. Cause I met him when he was in his, like his seventies. My wife worked with him and Michelle Legrand, who's a great French, uh, composer. Um, and they, uh, Alan and his wife, Marilyn, wrote a lot of the lyrics to the songs, the melodies of, 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 the, of Michelle Legrand's songs. So I became, we became friends with them. Uh, and when I would go out to California to the tournament in Indian Wells, the BNP Paribas Open, I would sometimes see Alan or stop in L.A. So he started getting into tennis. So I called him when I first had the idea of the podcast – And he told me his story of why he got into tennis over the phone. It literally almost had me in tears. So I said, Alan, wait, I've got to come and interview you. I was going to go to his house in Los Angeles. Uh, Of course, because of COVID, that didn't happen. So he became my second interview, one of my favorites, uh, because he talks about how being a young Jewish kid in Brooklyn, um, the discrimination he went through al- al- uh, along the route of getting into tennis and how he got into tennis. And it's a fascinating story and kind of a tearjerker, to be honest, when you hear him tell the story and he's still totally with it and together. At 94 years old, um, Love, loves tennis and how he got into it as a young kid was just uh, uh, an amazing story of sort of perseverance and also dealing with the discrimination, the racism that he felt as a young Jewish kid um, trying to get into a, a sport like tennis. Next up was a great old buddy of mine, uh, and I put the arm on him to do it. He's one of the most famous sports talk radio hosts. That's Christopher Mad Dog Russo. And I've listened to him for many, many years here in the New York area. Of course, he used, it used to be Mike and the Mad Dog, Mike Francesa. And they really basically put sports talk radio on the map, you know, back when they started years, years and years ago. Uh, Mad Dog has become a good friend of mine. He's a huge tennis fan. Uh, So that's partly how we became friends. I've been on his show many times. He's now, of course, has his own station on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio so he came on and uh, just an unbelievable energy, of course, that he has and that he brought to the table and brought to the podcast. So he was doing me a big favor to come on and talk. He blew a lot of smoke up my butt, uh, being nice to me. Uh, I actually worked with him a couple of times over at WFAN, his, the radio station he used to work with, which is local here in New York City, probably, the, again, the station that got... Sports talk kicked off the ground, you know, thirty some years ago. So Mad Dog is a huge tennis fan, loves to play. Um, he's got a high ball toss on the serve, on the, especially on the second serve. So we had a little fun with that. But the Mad Dog brought um, all of his energy and enthusiasm to the podcast, so uh, you will enjoy that one. The fourth one I did, fourth one I did with my first uh, female guest, Marcy Klein, who's become a good friend of mine over the years. Uh, as her sons, her two sons are both excellent uh, junior tennis players. They play it here at the McEnroe Academy in New York. Marcy, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the, the daughter of Calvin Klein. So she grew up with that. So we kind of relate because, you know, I grew up obviously as John's younger brother. So she grew up in this famous household and sort of had to deal with that. She's had an unbelievable, had an unbelievable career and getting back into it in, in television. She worked in the on 30 Rock. She worked on Saturday Night Live. Um, helping those two shows and, and, and others. And she's just a remarkable person. And uh, she talks about, you know, going from having this huge career and then becoming uh, a, mo- a mother, number one, but then becoming a tennis mother. So she's, she's a classic when it comes to telling some of the stories of going, you know, to these places we all go to as uh, as tennis parents, my daughter also is a, you know, become a competitive junior tennis player, uh, like her two kids. So, uh, great having Marcy on. She and I are still uh, very good friends. And, and again, I spend a, quite a bit of time on the court with both of her sons who are great kids, excellent tennis players as well. Next up I had in uh, April, late April, was my one of my main men, Dickie Vitale. Dickie V, of course, uh, from college basketball fame. And he's uh, many, many years working for ESPN. One of the reasons I got into broadcasting, or I wanted to get into broadcasting, was um, you know, obviously watching the old U.S. Open, you know, Tony Trabert and Pat Summerall and John Newcomb, those were the announcers. But I also, I was never a huge college basketball fan, but I used to watch college basketball really because of Dick Vital and because the energy that he brought to the broadcast, nobody can bring that type of energy, including yours truly. But I tried to learn from him the energy, the enthusiasm Education, educating the 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 listener as well, the fans watching the sport. But his his energy that he brings to even now he's in his eighties that he brings to the telecast is is amazing. His uh, loves tennis. Dickie Vitale, his daughters played, his grandkids play, and They played a very high level. His got, got twins that are going to Duke, um, twin boys that are uh, just uh, going to Duke this coming year. He's got another uh, granddaughter who's a really highly rated, uh, highly ranked player, and she's 14 or 15, I believe, at the moment. Uh, And the other thing that I always think about when it comes to Dickie V is all that he's done with his charity and his work for kids with cancer and the Dickie V Foundation kind of playing off uh, uh, Jimmy Valvano, who was – very close with Dick. And of course he died at a, at a young age. So he's put together just an amazing charity event every year, which I'm still dying to get to. I haven't been to, but he gets, you know, the biggest names in sports and uh, from announcers to sports uh, production people and people in the business. So all that he does, and he, he always wants to talk about, yes, of course, his passion for tennis and for basketball and just for great sports figures, but also his passion for giving back and all that he's done for his foundation. So he is just uh, uh, incredible that he continues to do all that he does. Next up, I had Ben Stiller on. And Ben Stiller, of course, a great actor and comedian. Uh, His dad passed away just recently, Jerry Stiller. So he comes from, you know, that background. But I got to know Ben. um, You know, he's always been a tennis fan, uh, but I saw him quite a bit just before the pandemic hit, he was playing a lot of tennis at our club with one of our uh, great young pros, and uh, so I would periodically go and watch him play. And he'd say, "Oh, he gets so nervous when I'd watch him." But he's a guy that took up tennis late in life, you know, like in his 40s, and um, he has a huge passion for just trying to get better at it. And he's lefty, got a kind of kind of a big lefty serve. Um, and he would tell me stories about, oh, he, you know, every every year he would go to Hawaii on his vacation with his family. And he there was just one guy he wanted to beat, you know, in Hawaii. So he was taking three, four lessons a week trying to get better. Uh, he's had a few injuries recently. He told me he's got the elbow problems. I'm trying to get him back. Of course, the pandemic has hit. So I haven't seen him at the academy for a while. But when I see someone who's just so successful – in what they do, and then I see him out doing something which is difficult for him to do to become, uh, you know, a better tennis player. And I see that passion that he brings to tennis. So that's what, uh, you know, I had to have him on. So he was nice enough to do the interview with me. I texted him right when I had this idea. Even this was before the pandemic, and he was like, "I'll do it anytime. You know, let me know." So Ben, uh, I'm thinking about that lefty serve of yours, and I want that thing to get cooking again. Next up, late in April, I had uh, some of my first journalist uh, guests who came on, Mike Lupica, who's a longtime writer for the Daily News. He's written tons of kids books on, um, you know, kids like teenager books, that are huge bestsellers on football and on basketball, travel this, travel that. Uh, and he was uh, around tennis a lot in my brother's heyday in the late 70s into the 80s, early 90s, uh, when tennis was really taking off. So he covered a lot of tennis. He was very good friends with our, our dear friend, Mary Carilla, who also did a podcast later on. Of course, she's a great broadcaster for many networks, including HBO, ESPN for years, NBC. Uh, and she played doubles with my brother. They won the French Open. I'll get to Mary in a minute. But anyway, here she's very tight with Mike Lupik over the years. Both brilliant, smart, great storyteller. So Loopy as we call him. I see him also at our club out in the Hamptons in the summer playing tennis. He's his kids play as well. Great stories about his perspective as you know, he's 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 a tennis fan, but he's a sports guy, especially a New York sports guy. So particularly his stories of the open and of um the what we used to call the Masters, the year end championships in Madison Square Garden. And he's a great storyteller. And uh, it was terrific having him on. He does his own podcast as well, and he's absolutely uh, awesome. Then I got Alec Baldwin on, a special uh, another special guest. And of course, Alec is just so big and so popular. Uh, he's been a tennis fan for a long time. He's always at the U.S. Open. He's a fixture there. But he basically did me a favor because he's good friends with my wife. They work together doing some shows, some plays together. Alec, of course, has a huge career in television. Uh, and then uh, with the Trump impersonations on Saturday Night Live in the last uh, couple of years, it's taken him to a whole nother level. But he's always been hugely supportive of tennis. Um, great co-worker with my wife. They started some shows together. They work together. And Alex always been a guy around New York who's kind of a man about town and helping Uh, the arts world, the theater world, you know, always going above and beyond to help charities and to help theaters and so on. So I've always admired him for that. Actually, this is the one podcast I did that I, after I did, I was like, God, I really sucked in this one, because I, I, I was something about interviewing him. I was, I, for some reason I was nervous. It was like the only podcast I've done out of all of these where I felt nervous because he's so good at doing what he does. So I felt like he was let, he was doing the podcast going on. Oh, this guy sucks. I mean, he's, I can't believe i am you know agreed to do this with Patrick. So that was sort of going through my mind, which is unusual because usually I feel pretty comfortable. I do my homework on my guests and Alec does his own podcast called here's the thing, which is awesome. Uh, and he's, he's such, he's so good at being a guest, but he's also maybe even better at being a host. Um, so I felt like maybe that wasn't my, my best one, but Alec, of course, covered up for me and told some great stories about, you know, growing up in Long Island and, and just sports in general. I think his dad was a football coach. I believe if I remember correctly, it is at the high school and in his town, of course, his brothers all uh, got into the entertainment business as well. So and, uh, you know, watching him do if you know if you don't see it, he does these great Instagram videos uh talking about sort of the state of the world and, and, and politics in particular. So admire him a lot. And uh, I'm actually hoping to have him on again so I can, you know, maybe I'll be a, won't be as tight, I won't be as nervous. Next up I had on May uh my longtime agent Sandy Montek, who uh started out in uh his television. Well, he's a, he's a he's an agent. He started out in his TV career, I say, but he was the he was working basically for John Madden. He was, that's sort of how he got his start. He talked so his story about just how he persevered. He's a kid, you know, he went to Syracuse, and he wanted to get in the business. And he basically, as he says to me, and he's proven it over his career, just worked worked hard, worked harder than everyone else. He worked at IMG for many years, which I was associated with them for a long time. They were my agents. And he left there and started his own group called the Montag group. So uh, I love what he brings to the table. Um, <clears throat> and uh, his story is about just perseverance and, and sticking with it. Uh, and now he's, you know, one of the most successful sort of TV agents of, you know, not just sports people, but also uh, Ari Fleischer, for example, You re- you he worked with him. So, He's got a great uh, group of people that he represents Mike Tirico uh, and, and many others. So it was awesome having on uh, Mr. Sandy Montag on my podcast. All right. So before I move on from Mr. Sandy Montag, my let let's just be a good time since he's my agent. I'm going to go on to Scott Foley next, a great actor. Uh, I'm going to tell you about my, my first sponsor. Uh, Those of you who have listened to my most recent ones. know it's my pillow. They've been absolutely awesome. And, uh, I started sleeping and using my pillow just in the last month or so because when they agreed to do my podcast to sponsor it, I was super pumped. They said, we'll send you some stuff. So I was like, yeah, please. So, you know, I've seen all the commercials on TV. I've heard them on the radio. I'm telling you, the pillow's off the charts. So good. I got the large one. I got the body one. I got one for my wife. She loves it. It's absolutely phenomenal. Total life-changing situation. I got to figure out the right size that I take on the road with me, because I've talked about it before, traveling so much. Hopefully we'll get back to that. All of us will in whatever line of work we're in, whether it's work, play, what have you. I haven't traveled at all since the pandemic hit. But uh, I know that when I do, again, I'm taking my pillow with me to the hotels, on the planes, and so on. They they, they don't go flat. You can wash and dry, dry them as many times as you want, all of them made in the good old USA, uh, listen if you don't have one you got to check it out i know the holidays have passed but you could still get someone a gift or get it for yourself for the new year mike's offering his premium my pillows that's the one that started this whole thing his lowest price ever you can get the queen size premium my pillow regularly at 69.98 now only 29.98 that's 40 bucks off uh, kings are only $5 more. So now's the time to buy only $29.98 for the queen size My pillow. Buy now. Mike will extend his 60-day money-back guarantee to the first day of March 2021. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square. You'll find out not only about this amazing offer, but all of their other products as well. I've gotten plenty of those too. The sleep pillows for the dogs, I got that. Amazing. My dog Pepper loves it. My pillow mattress topper, also tremendous. I got some towels. So here's the number to call, 1-800-875-1023. Here it is again, 1-800-875-1023. Make sure you use the promo code COURT as in holding court. So the next episode I did in uh, came out in early May was Scott Foley. I met Scott through um, the Chris Everett Celebrity Challenge that she has every year. She raises money for her challenge, um, for her charity, excuse me, down in South Florida. So Scott is a frequent player. You know, we do these pro-celebrity events around tennis. A lot of different people, Ag- Ag- Agassi's got a big... Um, charity event. That's more of like a big event, but Chris Everett does this every year in South, well, every year until this year. Uh, We know that why that is. So Scott's a frequent player, really, really solid player, okay, particularly for an actor, all right, but he's known for his roles in The Unit, Scrubs, Felicity, a lot of others, done some movies, you know, some great movies as well. Great guy, family guy, um, really solid player. What I remember most about the podcast with him because we were talking about some other sort of celeb um actors, musicians. Gavin Rostell for one, he's a really good player, he's lead singer for Bush. I, I still want to get him on the podcast. But he talked about um Matthew Perry, who's kind of he was kind of known in that circle of the actor, celebrity, slash tennis players as the best. And then Scott said, you know, he got him in the in the charity exhibition. They played a set or whatever and and Matthew Perry came back to the locker room and said, I'm done. I'm done. I've been beaten by another actor. So, hey, listen, Matthew, I'd love to have you on too anytime because I want to get your side of the story because something tells me maybe I'm just hearing the Scott Foley side, but Scott was great and uh, hoping to see him back on the court soon. Then I did one sort of with my first cohort from ESPN. I've done a few over the over the last few months, but Chris Fowler, I had him on. Of course, everybody knows Chris from uh, following ESPN tennis, and you know his passion for tennis is amazing. obviously he has made an unbelievable career doing college ba- uh, college football. He started in college basketball by the way as, uh, as well when he first started at ESPN in his early mid 20s is when he started with the network so that, I think that 's over thirty years ago he 's a couple years older than me i 'm fifty four Chris is an unbelievable guy, loves his sports. Loves working out, loves keeping in shape. He's had some injuries the last couple of years because he, you know, he pushes it. He pushes it hard in the gym and on the bike and loves his tennis. I mean, he loves to play. I I haven't played much with him. I think I've seen him play once. Of course, I've shared the broadcast booth with him. And he has such a passion for the game of tennis, which is unusual because when you have someone like him, you know, that. You know, he's in the college football scene. I mean, that's a whole other world. And, of course, that brings in way more money to ESPN than tennis does, and it's just a much bigger, more popular sport. So Chris has a really interesting career that he's made for himself, doing, doing the college football, doing it incredibly well as a host, and then now becoming the play-by-play guy, similar to what he's done in tennis. Uh, always prepared, always you know, setting up his analysts like me, where he's got to work with me, he's got to work with John, Chris Everett, Mary Joe, Brad, Darren, uh, you know, and he, and, he, and he just does it seamlessly throughout uh, all of what he does. So it was it was awesome to have him on to kind of get his his take on how he got started in broadcasting. He actually did his own, he's been starting, he does a lot of his own stuff on Instagram and his own podcast. I don't know if it's more like a podcast or a video thing that he's been over he had me on to talk about uh brothers because he's very close with his brother he 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 talks about his family quite a bit so we, he did one with me for his a month or two later um on his uh on his own sort of show so uh it was awesome to have chris on and to hear him talk about you know why he loves tennis and you know sort of why he made that part of such a big part of his career Uh, You know, obviously now he's, you know, he's done some NFL games. So who knows what the future holds for Mr. Chris Fowler. Next up I had on Kyle McLaughlin, another great actor um, who I met through, actually uh, our kids went to the same school briefly. Then we moved out of the city and moved up to the suburbs in New York city. And of course he was back and forth a lot between LA and uh, New York. Um, Had a young kid, got married a little bit later but a terrific guy uh he also knew my wife I think probably that's probably how I met her. I mean, I met him, though I did meet him again through the school um uh, connection but uh he's a huge tennis guy would play at our academy until he moved i think he went back to California during the pandemic and has been there ever since uh and uh, you know he is a awesome guy, and it's a great guy talks about his interest in wine got into wine he's from that part. What is it, I think he's in Oregon or Washington. He's from up in that part of the world. Uh, so he started his own vineyard. Actually, sent me some of his own wine, which is pretty damn good, by the way. Uh, so Kyle, uh, I hope to get him back on the court back in New York soon because uh, he's a tremendous guy and uh miss him being on the East Coast. Then, of course, I had on the one and only Chrissy Evert. I mean, come on, enough said, right? I mean, what else do I need to do? The, the thing that probably I remember from her podcast, uh, because, you know, I have a lot of conversations with her outside the podcast. You know, we worked together at ESPN. I sent my daughter to the Everett Tennis Academy for a couple months. She loved it. Chrissy's, just, she's just a legend. And, you know, her and her brother, John, run a great tennis academy down in Boca for many, many years. And I was when I was working for the USTA, I would, we shared the facility. We actually rented facility from the Everts uh anyway what i remember most because i wanted just to ask her of course about her career and you know the rivalry with martina but also how she got started in tennis because her parents her dad was a legendary coach in florida and she said well i had no choice jw we just played tennis she said i'm not saying i even liked it we just had no choice so kind of interesting to hear her side of it because uh i mean i think she did like it uh she obviously loved to compete she was you know an she was an ice maiden, an ice goddess. I mean she was so tough. she looked you know she was gorgeous, of course, and she played this you know very consistent style, but she was uh she was uh she was ruthless out there, but in a way that was you know you never saw that it was a little bit like Borg Borg had a little bit of that sort of persona as well, like he was you know the ice man, he never showed his emotions, but inside he he, he wanted to kill you um and so chris everett i could go on and on about her but that's what I, kind of one of the things i remember most about that came out of the podcast next up speaking of chrissy i had on timothy oliphant who's another actor that i met through um through the chris everett pro celebrity challenge and her charity event and he's a big time player okay I don't know, is he better than foley i i, th- I think he might be um, great, great actor, kind of a character actor. He's been in tons of movies and TV shows, just a great guy. Um, he, he was what, what I remember from my podcast, he, his, his brother was actually a really good junior tennis player, Andy Oliphant. And I played against him in junior tennis, similar age and to in me, he's from Southern Cal. Uh, and Timothy was a big time swimmer believe it or not, actually got a scholarship to be a swimmer at USC, which is always a great, you know, I went to Stanford, which is always huge in swimming. So is USC. Uh, And there, you know, it'd be Olympic swimmers coming out of SC Stanford for the years I was there. I I think they're still coming out of there, but uh, to hear him talk about why he loves to play plays with his daughter, who was a really good junior player. I think plays in college now, Uh, but he's a great story. He was actually, actually his podcast is one of the most popular, I think because, he's such a great interview. Uh, he was on He's good friends with Conan. So he's always been like a regular guest, but he's the kind of guy you put him on like a talk show. It's like a home run. So he was a home run on my show as well. Then I had on my first, um, sort of big time athlete outside of tennis, Sergio Garcia. Uh, I had played, done a little segment with him at the U S open years ago when I worked for CBS. And, uh, We went out and played a little like putt-putt golf, you know, just for the cameras, just for fun, and also hit some balls. A guy can play. I mean, he's a great athlete, Sergio Garcia, and he played a lot of soccer as a kid growing up in Spain, uh, played a lot of tennis as well. Uh, What I remembered most from his podcast, of course, he's a huge Nadal fan. Who isn't? But from Spain, it's like you have to be. But uh, he talked about how, you know, he's got that uh, weird Uh, His swing is, you know, I broke it down as much as I can. I don't know anything about golf, but he talked about how the reason he kind of created, got that swing was because when he was little, like 12, 13, he used to play uh, in like senior events, like men's tournaments. So he came up with this, I guess I call it the waggle, um, so that he could get more pop. he could hit the ball further. So that's how we sort of developed it. And he was the kind of guy that just played a little bit like the mentality of my brother, uh, which we talked about in the podcast, by the way, that uh, he just sort of went out He liked to compete, didn't like to hit the range. You want to go out and just play. And so it was through playing and competition that he developed um, this sort of special kind of swing that he came up with. So the great Sergio Garcia, of course, won the Masters. He finally he finally won that big uh Uh, Major, You know, he's been all-timer in Ryder Cup for Europe and uh, finally won the Masters in 2017. So a lot of people in the golf world were pretty pumped to to see that. Then I had on the only, I think still the only podcast I've done with two people at the same time. That's because Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, of course, great buddies, teammates for a couple of years in Dallas. Uh, Nash then left, of course, to go play for Phoenix. Nowitzki spent his whole career in Dallas, won uh, a title there uh Nash left so he didn't get to cash in on that but now uh Mr. Nash is a coach here in Brooklyn so he and I have been exchanging messages of course he's busy now because the season started but they both are huge tennis guys played a lot of tennis together uh, Dirk was actually a, a really good junior player in Germany where he grew up. Nash got into it a little bit later, I think more during his NBA career. But talking to both those guys, we had a couple of technical issues because I think they were both on their cell phones. Nash was in, I think, L.A. Dirk was in Dallas. So that was the only one where I remember, ah, Steve's phone kept going out on him. But we we, we edited it. We made the best of it. And uh, they were both great guys. And, you know, I watched all these videos of them playing hoops in their prime and highlights of two just absolute warriors, you know, on the basketball court. And so they love tennis and uh, Steve still plays. Actually, I see him posting or some people posting about him playing because he's down in Brooklyn. I'm trying to get him up to our Academy. It's a little bit of, of a, of a trip little trek for him to get up there. Next up, I I started my, my first dabble in, in the political world, John Bro, He was a senator from Louisiana for many years uh, before that was um, in the House of Representatives as well. And I remembered him because, again, he would m- make the rounds at some of these pro-celebrity events. Solid player. And he played, told me a great story in the podcast about how he, when he got interviewed to be uh, in the Senate, they would do the interview with the head of the Senate. Um, and he knew that I think it was Lloyd Benson and um, Senator Mitchell, George Mitchell, Senator Mitchell, especially is a huge tennis fan. And uh, so Senator Bro, they said, why do you want to be in the Senate? He said, so I could get on the Senate tennis court because there's a tennis court that the senators can play on uh, in D.C., and uh, it doesn't get used that much because not many of them play, but he plays. So he's, he told me this funny story when he went in to have his first meeting with him. He said, well, the reason, you know, you, you normally say, well, I want to serve my country, and I want to do this, and I want to, you know, change the world. He's like, yeah, I just want to get on the tennis court. And so it was uh, that was my first foray into the world of um, uh, the sort of the political world. And so he the senator talked about his interest in tennis. He, we dabbled a little bit in the political world as well. But he still plays. He's down in uh, when I spoke to him in June, he was down in F- uh, Florida, I think in the Keys, and uh, playing regularly regularly uh, at this stage. So well done to him. Mary Carillo came next in June. Of course, she and I go way back, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, she grew up with us in Douglaston. She's become one of the great broadcasters. She was she was a pro tennis player, won the mixed doubles with my brother. Uh, carried him to the French open mix title when he was a teenager uh, so Mary and I you work together a bit but of course mostly we've both been working for different networks and at different times but she's uh she's just uh golden I mean when it comes to her work and what she does the type of person she is her family we knew them well I still do the uh the the, the Tony carillo which is her dad the little forehand slice swing which is still perfection he's still playing I think he's like Late, he might be 90 by now. Unbelievable. So married, great stories. And, and, and you know, I could have her on like every week, you know, if um, if, uh, if we had the time. Next up I did uh, Mansour Barami, who's a former pro tennis player. He was born in Iran, and he became a French citizen in 89. And, of course, he's known for kind of being the great um, showman shot maker, circus, tennis player. And uh, so I've become gotten to know him a lot over the years and playing in the senior events and being lucky enough to play with him, play against him. Uh, he is the person that people want to see when you go at Wimbledon and the Australian Open and, and play in the French Open, the old guys' tournaments, you know, the legends, the old guys. I, luckily enough, I get to play, partly because my name is McEnroe, I'm aware of that, but also because I'm there do broadcasting and... Uh, have fun with him. So his his story is unbelievable, and it's the only guy where I actually had to do a two part uh, special because I couldn't stop listening to his story of how he started in tennis and how he got beat up and how his brother beat someone up that beat him up because he wasn't supposed to be playing tennis at this uh, sports facility in, in in Tehran. So you got to listen to him for um, what he brings and his passion you know, for tennis and his joy. And he just wants to play tennis. And I've been in touch with him during the pandemic. And he's, you know, he's bumming hard that he's basically been shut down from doing what he loves more than anything else, which is playing tennis. Brandon Steiner, I had on next to uh, Steiner Sports uh, Memorabilia. He created that years ago, which is basically the sports memorabilia business. So he's been through his ups and downs. He's starting a whole nother business now. He and I became friends through my agent, Sandy Montag. And then Brandon actually let me use his tennis court at his house, lives close to me in Westchester during the pandemic uh, when it hit. So I was able to hit some balls there when, you know, everything was shut down, Take my daughter there and play a little bit. So he's a unbelievably nice guy and uh, so successful in what he's done at real entrepreneurship. And he gets some great thoughts in his podcast about what tennis can do better. So coming from someone like that, who you know, basically his whole world has been trying to figure out what, what sells, you know whether it's in an NBA game, at an NFL game. So he's got all sorts of uh, ideas about you know what, what tennis could do, many of which I don't think tennis will ever do because they're too afraid to change. Um, but they should listen to Brandon Steiner a little bit more. Then I had my good buddy Monty Russo on, who's a good pal of mine. And he uh, actually was his idea, by the way. For me to do this particular podcast, a little recap of all the podcasts I've done this year. So he and I have been buddies for about the last 10 years. we again met in, in our kids in school in the city. We just another dad. And uh, he was a, he loves to work out. He's a big weightlifter. He was a, actually a, um, a weightlifter back in his day. Uh you know, competitive weightlifter. So he's always showing me the pictures of himself. And he picked up tennis in his early forties and uh, just loves it. Has a huge passion for it. And, uh, as, as, you, Monty, you like to go through the wall, buddy. He and I will, you know, we don't quite go through the wall like we used to when we hit the gym, but hopefully we can get back into the, uh, gym scene fairly soon. Then I had on Jane McManus, who's a great writer, uh journalist. Um, she lives up by me here in Westchester. She heard, her husband's a teacher, actually, at my. She's working now at Marist University as well, teaching. So she's a brilliant woman. She's uh, been, she wrote for Newsday for years. I think for the, well, maybe it was a Westchester paper she wrote for for years. So if I'm confusing those, I'm sorry, Jane. But she, uh, she's very outspoken about all the issues of the, the NFL has had with the concussions, with the pandemic with college football coming back, you know, because of the money. Uh, and she covered tennis for a long time. So that's how I got to know her through the tennis world. But really, really, she also, by the way, did a lot of radio with ESPN. Was I was, I was on there. So she's a go-to guest for me in whatever I do. Uh, really thoughtful, brilliant, and uh, getting her perspective uh, on It's kind of the business of sports and also the the morality, a little bit of sports, I think, was uh, what stood out for me in that episode. Then I had on my first Aussie, who's an Aussie TV and film actress, Magda Zubansky, who uh, uh, I was lucky enough to have on. She's got an amazing career, sort of a stand-up comedian, and then she was in some huge movies as well. And uh, she came out of the closet at one point in her career as a gay woman, uh, then she came, wrote an incredible be- a book about her dad was apparently an assassin uh, because they were, uh, I think they were all German uh, well, against the Nazis, and she ended up growing up in I think part of Scotland, then went to Australia when she was young, and she became a, really got into tennis as a kid. Um, so we talked about her interest in tennis, but her life story is absolutely phenomenal and what she's done. So it was kind of cool that I'm hoping to get back to Australia. I'm not going to be able to do it this coming year, um, to, uh, meet her in person. Cause I just did it over the phone. I never met her. I got connected with her through a great friend of ours, Jane Kennedy, who's a radio uh, host of a a big show in, in Australia and Australian radio. So Magna, I hope to get to Australia soon so I can meet you in person. Uh, then I had on deputy, uh, former New York State Chief Deputy Attorney General in Manhattan D.A., uh, who's a candidate now for the Manhattan D.A., uh, is Alvin Brack. And a good buddy of mine uh, through the tennis world uh, recommended him to me, and he's a brilliant guy, went to Harvard, went to Trinity High School, which is where me and my brothers went to high school, a, a private school in New York City. And uh, he and his kids are into tennis. So, But it was really more about kind of him – in in his background and, you know, he lives in Harlem and as an African-American man running for office and he's been in office and kind of what he's trying to do to change the community. And, you know, tennis is a small part of it, but it was really more about um, just kind of hearing him talk about his platform, what he's done, why he, why he wants to be in, in uh, public service. So Alvin was a tremendous guest and loved having him on. Then I had Chris McKendry. I went back to the ESPN. Well, and Chris, of course, everyone knows her through her years at sports Center and then hosting for us in ESPN Tennis. What I didn't know, which I found out, was that she was actually a pretty big-time player and played in college. And, uh, you know, I know her sons played a bit, and they got into some other sports as well. But she was actually a very solid player in college. So she talked about about that. And, you know, you never know it. She's so humble and She's such a team player when it comes to what we do on air and, you know, working with all these huge egos that we all have as former tennis players. So Chris is uh, great. I just worked with her a couple of weeks ago at the uh, ATP finals event myself and Brad Gilbert and her. So looking forward to seeing her again, probably back up in Connecticut for, uh, for the Australian open. It looks like we'll be there shortly. Then I had on, one of my main men, Johnny Fillon, who's the uh, CEO of BNP Paribas uh, in the Americas. Uh, BNP, of course, is the huge sponsor in tennis for many, many years. The French Open, the Davis Cup, the Fed Cup. Uh, more recently, the BNP Paribas Open out in Indian Wells. And Johnny and I became uh, friends over the years just through our connection through tennis. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, BNP was able to sponsor our... Uh, Johnny Mac tennis project and through uh, come up with our own program for BNP Mac one for some of our best kids uh, that we already have a scholarship program, but BNP sort of added to what we're able to do for these kids at our academy. So we talked about that and really just about why BNP Barabal loves tennis, you know, as something that uh, they sponsor, why it's good for their business or one of the biggest banks in the world, they become more prevalent now in the United States as well. Of course, their headquarters are in France, but John Eves has been living here. He's a big sailor, by the way, good, solid tennis player, too, grew up in France, but he's, he's like a uh, competitive sailor and did that throughout his uh, youth, and he still does that um, in his, uh, you know, what he does on the side while he's not uh, you know running the company. So he's a great friend of mine and a great friend of tennis. And their company is so we uh, thank them for all they continue to do and have done you know not just for our McEnroe Academy and other great philanthropic uh, enterprise, but also just supporting professional tennis as they've done for so many years. Back to the ESPN, well, I went to Pam Shriver and uh, loved having Pam on, and she's so opinionated. And you know, for us at ESPN, she does so many roles: play-by-play, uh, courtside analysts. She can do it all. And, uh, you know, hearing her story about how she got into tennis and how she started and being, you know, one of the great doubles teams, maybe the greatest doubles team ever, you know, Shriver and Navratilova. She was also a great singles player as well. So Pammy and I had a blast. We always have a blast. We kind of get, you know, we we can get at each other a little bit, which we did a little bit in the podcast while we do that on air because uh, it's fun, it's good TV, but we don't always agree. But I think that's what makes it uh, uh, super fun. Then I had Steve Flink on, who's a great tennis journalist. He wrote, he's written numerous books on on tennis. And the one we discussed for the most part in, in this podcast was his Pete Sampras book. And the one he wrote on Pete and his career and his legacy. And Steve's one of the most thoughtful people there is on on pro tennis and the history of tennis. And uh, I always remember, and I, we talk about this in the podcast, he's always he's the most well-dressed journalist. I mean, you get on the plane every year as I normally would be in a couple of weeks to go to Australia. And oftentimes I'd see him on the flight there, always in a suit and tie. Old school is Steve Flink. Uh Brad Gilbert was next. That was one of my most popular podcasts. Brad is such a great storyteller and talks about hitting on the wall and talks about the the fun we had practicing together when I was at Stanford. We used to practice a little bit and you know, he's done his own podcast now with his son, Zach. Zach is, uh, helps us at ESPN quite a bit. Um, Zach was a good junior tennis player and now he's sort of in the TV world and tennis and some other sports as well. And, uh, they've got a, a podcast called Winning Uglier. Of course, he wrote a great one of the great tennis books is Winning Ugly. So Brad talks about that. And, you know, people uh, who are recreational players or league players, they love to hear from Brad because he, you know, in addition to being able to do what he does in, on television about pro tennis, and of course being a great coach as he was for Agassi and Murray and Roddick, his great coaching career, but also he can kind of break it down in simple terms for the kind of the average player, you know, the club player. And that's what makes him unique. And he brings that obviously to the table uh, and the broadcasting world as well. So I did a couple of U.S. Open specials and recaps of that um, as the U.S. Open f- happened at the time, uh, and here, the U.S. Open bubble. Then I had on Martina Navratilova. And, you know, her stories is remarkable from Czechoslovakia and, you know, becoming arguably the greatest female tennis player ever. Certainly from the year she played, Serena might have something to say about that now. But Martina's right there as one of the greatest of all time. Steffi Graf, you'd throw her in there as well. In the modern era, uh, singles, doubles, mix, Martina did it all. Uh, and I just love love her. Her ad, so smart, great on TV, and uh, talking again about um, how she grew up playing on the wall, and you know, sort of used that to get out of that country, and sort of why she got into tennis, and 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 how she then navigated um, the world. She had to navigate, you know, as a as a gay woman, uh, but also as someone leaving her, you know, communist country coming to America. And she, of course, she's very outspoken politically now. We didn't really talk too much about that on this particular podcast. We sort of kept it to tennis. Cliff Drysdale is my cohort at ESPN and he's sort of my mentor in the TV world. You know, when I first got started in TV, he was, uh, he was the main host along with Fred Stolle. Actually Mary Carilla was there for a little bit at that time. Um, So I learned a lot from Cliff. We worked together. Some of my greatest memories in TV are working uh, with Cliff alongside Cliff. We don't get to work together as much, but we get to see each other at all the majors, which I always look forward to and, Um, Cliff's been with ESPN from when ESPN started being on the air. So he talks about that. He talks about how he got started in tennis um, and, you know, how he was involved in the creation of the ATP and what that meant. So there's so much he's done in in the world. He's in the hall of fame now for not just his career as a player. He's a great player. Got to the U S open final top five in the world, I believe at one point, but also for all he did for, you know the the creation of the Pro Tour, the ATP, and so on. Um, let's see who else I had on. Uh, we did a little French Open. Oh, I married Jo on. Married Jo Fernandez. She's uh, I thought she was amazing in the podcast because she you know she's she's on TV. She's so she's so smart. She's sort of soft spoken, but I felt like in the podcast she sort of came out of, came out a little bit more than she normally does. Although she has started to do that a lot more over the She's gotten uh, a a little bit older, and she's so good on TV. I mean, every time I do a match with her, it's, like, so easy. And, you know, she's so calm. And, you know, some people, you go through what you're going to say in the beginning, and she's just like, yeah, whatever you're going to say, PMAC, no problem. Uh, So that's the way she is. Love her and her family. Her son is a really good tennis player, um, really high-level junior player. I played with him a little bit this summer, in fact, as well. And so we talk about sort of navigating – being parents now in tennis, you know, the ESPN side, and she was obviously a great player in her day. So again, with a lot of the tennis people, uh, this particular year, I tried to focus on, you know, their history and why they started. And her story is really interesting of how she got into the game as a youngster in in South Florida. Uh, then I had Yvonne Lendel on, um, his, his career. Obviously we know all about his great rival to my brother, John. He was number one for 270 weeks. Ninety-four titles, eight majors, including beating my brother in that you know that French Open when he came from way down, and it was interesting because you know I thought he would you know you think well that was a turning point for him. And He actually says in the podcast, no, that was important, but he didn't think it was the turning point in his career. He taught, he came up with a couple of things that I never heard from him before, including about what he what he needed to do to beat Connors and to beat my brother, and fascinating. And he's a great speaks so well and. Um, He has all daughters like me, so I have a special spot for him. So thank you to Yvonne Leno. That was one of my longer ones because, you know, he went on. We could have gone on forever. Then I uh, moved over to um, the world of uh, news and journalism and I had Nora O'Donnell on. And uh, she, of course, is a host of the CBS Evening News correspondent for 60 Minutes. She's awesome. And she talked about, you know, her interest in tennis and how she plays every summer. And she takes lessons like a couple days a week. Um, different games she played. I think it was called maybe the 105 or something she came up with was what she plays with her pro at her club in the summer. And so, uh, and and also we got into just her background. Obviously amazing journalist and the way she prepares and how similar that is to, you know, being a great athlete. So loved having her on and she brought uh, a lot of energy and a lot of fun about the things she does for, you know, keeping herself fit and in shape, and tennis being a big part of that. Then I had on Terry Saunders, who's a high school tennis coach down in Hendrickson, uh, Texas. Um, and you know, her dad uh, was a gr- is was a great tennis coach in Houston, Coach Lori McNeil, Zena Garrison, and others. And um, she, I don't, I just, I came across her. I think she just followed me on Twitter or something. So I just looked up her story. And it sounded like such a cool story. She, you know, was a really good junior tennis player. Um, she kind of then like went away from tennis, played in college, and had some issues. She's an African American woman, so she had some issues with racism when she was a kid. She talked about that. She talked about getting burnt out at one point on tennis, and now she's taking over a tennis program at this high school in you know, a place where you know it's all about football down in Texas. So loved her story. Loved her passion, loved hearing about um, her dad, who's still still cooking, who's still coaching, and uh, Terry was absolutely great. We still stay in touch on social media. Then I had on Howard Bryant, who's an author, sports journalist. He's written uh, a ton of stuff for ESPN, ESPN the magazine, Always appears on those uh, sports reporters type shows over the years. I don't have that anymore, but he's a really thoughtful guy, brilliant guy writes a lot about race. He's an African American man, but he's a big tennis fan. Um, he used to come to the uh, majors when he's working for ESPN or com. And he would always come out and watch me and my brother and the old guys. And I said, Well, why are you coming out here to do this? Because oh I just love tennis, love to watch you guys, you know, where you could barely move out there. So uh we talked about his tennis and how he still loves to play and but also uh, he's he, he's a guy I would go I go to when anything comes up of import, especially race. I shouldn't do that. He said to me, Why you just call me when it's a you know a black thing? And he's right, because he's the kind of guy that, you know, could talk about anything, but uh, being an African American man, he's outspoken on those issues. It's he, he's kind of like, okay, I got to talk to Howard. What's his perspective on this? So, he's an unbelievable guy, brilliant, and uh, loved having him on. But he's right; I should I should have him on just to talk about. Well, he always, he always talks to me, about just about tennis stuff too, because he's like he always thinking about well, what's going to happen with Fed. Is he you know is Nadal going to pass him? Is Joker is your Joker the greatest of all time? So, all um, all that kind of stuff. Then in late October, I had on Brett Dennett, my first. Um, He's a singer-songwriter, and I actually got connected with him through someone at my podcast company, uh, and it turned out to be so refreshing. I didn't, didn't know much about him. I'd heard of him and his music, but I listened to all his music. He's from Central California. watched all his videos, um, and in... Uh, you know, he's a huge tennis player, got a pretty big forehand. And, uh, so he's a guy that travels a lot, tours a lot. He's not a huge, you know, doesn't play like in the big arenas and stuff, but plays, you know, smaller, you know, good, solid venues, but he's relies on the travel and the, and, 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 and so I said, well, your, your business is kind of, you know, slow down. He goes, slow down. He goes, it's shut down. He goes, it's done. My business is done, you know, traveling, And he's an amazing artist. So if you actually go to his Instagram, Brett Denon, D-E-N-N-E-N, and he's been doing these uh, Instagrams where he's got his music, but he's also painting and drawing. Such an interesting guy. So much fun. Uh, Love his music. His music, sort of a folk pop, you know, play guitar. That's my dog. That's one of his big songs. And uh, I love him. He's a great guy. I'm hoping to meet him one day. I never met him. So I'm looking forward to that. Then I had on... We call him the king in New York, Henrik Lundqvist, who if you're following the news recently, you've heard he's going to have open heart surgery, which is just scary. This guy, okay, is one of the fittest guys I've ever seen. And, of course, he was a goalie for the New York Rangers for 15 years, led Sweden to the gold medal in, um, in the Olympics, uh, and you know one of the best goalies on the planet for much of his career at the Rangers. So he would come and play tennis, in the off season, just for fun to keep himself in shape. I've been playing with him the last couple of months and little did I know that he was being tested for various heart issues. He never said a word to me. I mean, we're not that close, but you know, we're playing tennis. I'm running him that guy's a good tennis player, but a phenomenal athlete. I mean, phenomenal. I mean the movement. So, and he was wearing a heart monitor while we were playing. I thought he was just tech, checking to see, you know, what, how, much of a workout. Cause I always felt like I wasn't giving him enough of work of a workout. Um, so my prayers are with him. Okay. Because he's going to have surgery. I'm sure he's going to be okay. But uh, this is something that just came up, you know, as he was going through tests, he was, tra- he was picked up by the Washington Capitol. So he was literally going back and forth to DC to find a place to stay. He was getting ready for the season upcoming. I was playing tennis with him, you know, once a week, once every two weeks before he'd go work out in the ice and then I see this, you know, come out in the news. So I have texted him. Uh, we were sending him our best. I'm, he, he, we hope he's going to be okay. I'm sure he will. He's a class act, unbelievable guy, and uh, and one of the all-time greats. So let's hope that his health is okay and he can get back doing what he loves to do, which is be on the ice and he also likes to be on the tennis courts and I love playing with him. John Heyman came on, he who's an insider for MLB Network in early November post-World Series. We talked a lot about the World Series, the Dodgers winning. He writes mostly about baseball. He's been on WFAN for many years. I've had him on when I've been on the radio. Um, so he's uh, his daughter plays tennis. So we kind of got to know each other as his daughter would come and play at our academy. So um he is a great guy, uh, one of the easiest uh, podcasts I've done because, you know, he's a total pro. He goes on the radio all the time. So, But he loves tennis. He's a big Federer fan. Um, and sort of we talked to what I remember most about the, his podcast was kind of just talking a bit about, you know, the comparisons of baseball to tennis, that sort of one-on-one pitcher to catcher, pitcher to hitter in and, and tennis. But he's a big tennis fan, absolutely loves his tennis, and one of the great <clears throat> uh, baseball writers – uh, there is out there. Dick Gould came on uh, early December. He was my longtime. He was a longtime coach at Stanford. And he was my coach when I was there for four years. Uh, he was a coach there for thirty-eight years. Um, so his history in tennis, how he got into it, because I oh, yeah, tennis used to be his, was a sissy sport. His, his family was into football. He grew up in um, kind of close to Ojai and Ventura Is it Ventura? I think it was Ventura. County in uh, California, but his team, we won two NCAA titles when I was there in the four years I was there, but his Stanford men's tennis teams won 17 team titles. And he, of course I countless players like my brother and Alex O'Brien, Sandy Mayer, Roscoe Tanner, Tim Mayotte, uh, the Brian brothers, uh, Paul Goldstein who's a coach there now that won, you know, NCAA titles in singles, doubles, and so on. So he's an all timer and, uh, uh, one of the most fun podcasts I've done was uh, talking to my old coach, uh, Coach Gould. Then I had an Alana Kloss, who's, who was a former uh, pro tennis player herself, coach. Of course, she's known now as, a, for many years, the commissioner of World Team Tennis since 2001. She's a longtime partner of Billie Jean King, partner in life and also in business. Uh, she was number one in the world in doubles in 76. She was an excellent singles player as well. And uh, she's sort of the uh, the behind the scenes of you know the what Billie Jean King has been able to do with her legacy and you know naming the u uh, s a National Tennis Center after her and now naming the Fed Cup is now being called the Billie Jean King Cup. So uh, Billie Jean is obviously a powerhouse. We know that and all she's brought to to sports and to women's sports and just for equality. And uh, Alana sort of been alongside her and in many ways kind of help uh, navigate that with Billy along the way. So uh, loved having her on. Uh, Alana Claus still gets out there and plays too at our Academy. I see her out there with our good buddy, Paul Moss. So very good to see Alana back out on the court. Adam Zagoria is a uh, buddy of mine who is a basketball insider, mostly covering NCAA, but also pro hoops as well. But he's a huge tennis fan has written for Forbes uh, sports, a lot of tennis stuff. So we, Became a through his interest in tennis and writing about tennis. He's made most of his living in the basketball world. Little did I know that he was a big uh, ultimate Frisbee guy. So we got into that, which sort of surprised I me. Mean, I didn't know that about him, but a huge, apparently that's been something that's been huge for him throughout his career. So we talked a little bit about that, and of course, just uh, all things tennis as well. Then I moved into a little my little journalism f- a week when I had David Gregory from CNN. And of course he used to be the moderator of NBC started out as a, um, NBC white house correspondent for NBC. Then he hosted meet the press once, uh, Tim Russert left and had a kind of a rough falling out with NBC when he, when he lost that job. Uh, so he really got in depth on that and his history and in, in, uh, journalism and, Uh, Now he's been working with CNN as a political analyst. I've loved watching him throughout these whole last few months. So that was why I reached out to him. I just reached out to him myself on Twitter. He answered me back, and having him on was one of my favorite interviews because uh, we we talked a little tennis, but it was really mostly about politics and where he sees uh, the political world going. I always found him to be so reasonable and rational when I'd watch him on uh, CNN over the last couple of months, and he was that plus a lot more. Uh, when I had him on the podcast, so it was it was um, really one of my favorite podcasts to do with him. And then I had Savannah Guthrie on. I've been chasing her down Bef- since before she did her uh, great interview with Trump, the town hall, where she uh, she kind of nailed Trump a little bit, didn't take any of his any of his BS. And uh, so when you find out about Savannah, you realize that she's way more than you know the jolly host that she is on the NBC uh, morning show, the Today Show. I mean, she's a legit I mean legit journalist with a background in the legal world um her upbringing in in Arizona really interesting uh she's absolutely a huge Federer fan loves tennis so she played in a charity event with Federer and um uh, Bill Gates so uh, we had fun with that and she was just uh so much fun to have her on so that was uh, the most recent one I've done so that sort of wraps up the year and podcasts and uh Looking to see which direction to go in 2021. So, anybody have any thoughts or insights into where you'd like this podcast to go? Obviously, tennis will be part of it, but I've really enjoyed branching out and talking to some political people, and some journalists, and actors, and so on. So, it's going to be uh, quite a year in 2021. I want to thank all my listeners. Thank again, my pillow for supporting the podcast. Mudhouse Media for putting this on the map and uh, being partners with me in this journey and I'm looking forward to a lot more in 2021. Happy New Year, everyone. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, let's hope 2021 brings us lots of joy and lots more podcasts. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.